Well, good morning. Good morning. Seth Patterson. Hello, Christopher Bonhoff. Does anybody ever call you Christopher? Ooh, not since when I was a kid and my mom would get mad at me. Oh. Hey, welcome back to Meaning, an exploration of how spiritual significance emerges from the life and work of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. Well, so another exciting conversation. And as so often happens with these uh, these conversations, they start with some random observation that we make to each other or like, you know, that would be a good one for us to talk about at yeah. some point. And so <laughs> we're picking up from uh-huh. one of those from like four months ago. Right. Bring it. Okay. So at my my memory tells me that at one point we were talking about these and you said, you know, it'd be good to talk about performance. Mm-hmm. So something that I've encountered since being at Plymouth that I found fascinating, and maybe I shouldn't be so surprised by it, is when oftentimes when I speak publicly, one of the responses back to me is some version of, oh, I could really see your acting coming out there, or boy, that perform you really performed that or something like that. And and I found that to be curious. And and one of the things I've begun to wonder is are there different definitions of what performance is? So mm. I come from a place in which performance is authentic. Yep. But I often feel as if people respond to me as a as if performance as is inauthentic that because they see a performative element, it must be a lie. Like acting is lying somehow. Ever since I became an actor, people have said to me, oh, you must be a great liar. I'm an awful liar. (laughs) Mostly because I don't want to be a good liar. I also just don't, I've hopefully gotten to a place in my life that I don't lie. I would rather take the consequences of honesty. But yeah, I, this is an interesting, I didn't really encounter it until here. Yeah. And back to back, somebody would say to me, oh, it was really performative today, or oh, I could really see your acting. And then the next person would say, I'm so glad I could finally understand. You spoke clearly, you enunciated, you were loud, I could hear you. Mm-hmm. And, and so the same thing... <laughs> <laughs> reads very differently to people. But acting is not lying. Yeah. I'm going to center on that. Yeah. Performance is, is does not have to be inauthentic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's confusing because depending on the context, you know, when when people encounter acting, it's often in the context of, you know, theater pieces, movies, whatever, and there are good guys and bad guys. And sometimes actors are act, are asked to perform a role that is not aligned with who they are personally, right? Ah, or who they want to be. So the the centrality of any good actor is the ability to love the character you're playing, no matter who they are. Even if they are awful, you have to find 
what about you would love them? What about you could be them? And that can often be a very very vulnerable and scary experience for uh, a good actor to do. Now, I want to be clear that I'm not claiming that I'm a good actor. I've just done it a lot, or I used to do it a lot. (laughs) So I know something about it. And I think it'll translate into this question about public speaking or publicness. In order to to embody a character in a way that is authentic and feels real, you have to love the character, no matter who they are. And even if they are somebody that you feel initially is totally different than you, you have to find those connection points and those inroads Mm -hmm. so that you can find what part of you would be them, would be this person. So my biggest, my, my most profound experience with this was when I was in grad school and we did a play. This is an apt story right now with our transfer of memory exhibit in Jones Commons and all the, the things that will accompany it. There was a play called The Investigation, which was the transcripts of the trial of the Commandant of Auschwitz. And the transcripts were then dramatized. And I played the Commandant of Auschwitz. And the whole play was mostly the, the transcript of the, of the witness, of the victim saying, he did this. This happened here. This was what happened to me. This is all the loss and all the trauma and all the destruction and all the pain. And my character, the Commandant, sat in the middle of the stage, sort of raised up above everybody else and did nothing. Just sat there and received all of this testimony. And then there was a, a, a five-minute monologue before intermission and then like a 10-minute monologue at the end. And besides that, I just sat there. And my, my goal was to find that part of me that could be him. And now that's not a part of me that I want to find. That's not a part of me that I was eager to discover. And terrifyingly, I found it. And I, and I believe that any one of us could could become could make by based on choices and justifications we could be the things that we fear or hate i was able my friends and colleagues and classmates were the people giving the testimony and i assigned them numbers and it's amazing how quickly that becomes a dehumanizing act which is a bad thing to say publicly probably right now. Hmm. I, I'm not going to be. Right. I, I make different choices. But I he, he, was not a diff, he was not somehow a different creature. Yeah. So this is all to say that to, to be – when people say you're really acting, I hear that as, oh, that's authentic. Yeah. But I think pe- because of my experience doing these other things and feeling those – other, but I think oftentimes it it is maybe said as a, a backwards compliment, or mm-hmm. a, like the, I I always feel like they want to say something else, mm. but that's but that is what is said, mm-hmm. and I don't know, but it feels like the question is about is it authentic? Yeah.
Today, what comes up for me when you when when this question comes up is last term in seminary, I, I took introduction to preaching. Yeah. And we talked a lot about what the preaching moment is, what's what it's for, mm-hmm. and one of the one of the first lectures in that class was one that that stands possibly as the best lecture that I have heard in seminary, and it was about the nature of reality. Oh, right! You told me about this. Thank you, Professor Gary Green. Oh man, Doctor Green, he he is an incredible person, and basically the idea is that. Reality is a, a construction. Uh-huh. It's a it's a communal construction. It's a it's an agreed upon set of rules and norms, and those rules and norms are reinforced through the performance of the rules and norms yeah. in groups. And you pl- you play out reality. Mm-hmm. It's something that we play. It's not something that exists on its own that we that we don't have a role in. We perform in the creation and the perpetuation of a reality. Yeah, we're hearing that that's that's really profound. And we're seeing a lot of that even in our own political discourse now and mm-hmm. what we saw in Brazil in the mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. day right. is is a group of people trying to either because they have embodied a different reality and are trying to make it the reality or through power and influence and and some amount of monetary gain they are trying to make this our reality right and and so we we often recently collectively we seem to be talking about it feels like reality is shifting or there's yeah other people are living in a different reality right next to us right what do we right. do with that yeah 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 well, and, and so, you know, the, the follow-up and getting to the preaching function in, within this idea of reality is that what the preaching moment is for is to disrupt that reality in some way hmm. and to speak into the world a, 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 a moment of moral imagination, some words that will bring about an alternate reality. And, you know, since we are in a Christian church, you know, that by and large is often rooted in ideas that, you know, are are from the Christian teachings and the right. teachings of Jesus. Which is an, a complete alternative narrative to the, the reality of empire. Totally. And power structure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While being embedded in... In that same We're reality, co-opted. right? Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Constantine. Right. To take that preaching moment seriously and to to do what the preaching moment asks of a person, which is to kind of go on this exploration into these stories and come back to the community with something that is disrupting a hurtful reality or pointing out some sort of like way that our agreed upon reality could shift. How do you do that? Authentically. Right. Yeah. And, and what does that mean in terms of like of persona and voice and the way that a, a message is crafted in order for it to be heard by the community? Yeah. I, 
This is a question that I wrestle with a lot, both as a speaker and a preacher and as a teacher. I I mean, just this coming Thursday, I'm flying to Chicago where I am have been hired to lead public speaking workshops. And this when I was living there, this was a big part of my job. And I talked about it is I didn't I wasn't there to tell you what to say, but I was there to help you how to say it. Mm. I was advocating for your audiences. Mm. Audiences need to be able to hear you, need to be able to understand you, need to be able to follow you. And we get on our own way so often. And I have found that there's elements of theater, of acting, of, of performance, capital P, that can be taken on by academics, by clergy, by people outside of that art form to help them be better so their audiences can hear their brilliance. Right. I always start with whatever you're going to say is brilliant. But if I don't understand it, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Mm. And at least in academia, which University of Chicago is so buried in, the idea is that you get up in front of a group of people and you read from the thing you wrote. Sure. But what is written for reading and what is written for speaking are different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it takes a skill to be able to make one fit the other. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doing that this, this week and I love doing it. Yeah. But it, it is a question that I, how do we, how do we help audiences hear us and then holding the thing that I hear have heard here? If I think a question of if you do those things, does it stop being authentic? Yeah. Yeah. Almost as if the a laborious time of listening is more authentic. Like I can trust in what you're saying because it was hard for me to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious whether you come across students in these in these public speaking classes who who maybe have the same kinds of fears or apprehensions about about learning these skills. Oh, yes. I get a lot of pushback. Yeah. But not at first. Uh-huh. At first, the the reception is, yes, please help. I want to be good at this. Mm-hmm. Whatever they mm-hmm. mean, whatever they imagine good at this is, I want to be that. But then when I start coaching or giving suggestions or, or really asking questions, what if you tried it this way? I see you really like to move when you talk. What if you found the places to stop moving and align those with the messages you need people to hear? Well, Steve Jobs walked a lot. You're not Steve Jobs. Sure. It's a different thing. Yeah, you are. You're not. Right. Don't be him. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's a lot of, and, and then we get into, I think, the questions of, well, that's not who I am. I am being authentic, inauthentic by doing that. Yeah. And I say it just feels inauthentic because it's the first time you've tried it. Yeah. It takes rehearsal. It takes practice. Well, there's – I can imagine how people who are coming from academia Uh feel very safe in the printed page. 
and and the the act of communicating oneself through their research through journal articles etc yep. i feel like part of what public speaking has got to be always is entering the story and it, i would i would agree and i mean i think that there when when you when you tell a story maybe maybe it's just there's enough difference between telling a story and presenting one's findings that there's a there's a there's a layer of vulnerability to that that is scary and the word you used which i would tend to agree with but again i think i have a different definition of what telling a story is how many times as a child have we been reprimanded for telling a story mm. instead of the truth mhm mhm story mm-hmm. again is somehow a false narrative right it's fiction yeah and we are storytelling and story receiving creatures the way that humans have created their social bonds the way that we have created structures and relationships and safety and have evolved is through the act of storytelling absolutely that's how we learn but we often call these things myth yeah well and i mean i think it's also story is also the place where we put metaphor and where we where we put truths that are beyond language yeah i mean i think about you know the 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 amount of jesus's teachings that are transmitted through parable where no. where the where the where the the teaching is not explicitly named in so many words it is it is illustrated and it's it's up to the conversation between you know the the author the hearer and the hearer's community to decide what that deeper truth even is and it changes depending on who you put yourself so the the parable of the lost sheep are you the shepherd are you the sheep the lost one or are you one of the ones that wasn't lost yeah amen wherever you put yourself in that story authentically mhm the meaning changes yeah yeah who are you in this who is god in this and then what is the third who is the third and there's no yeah. right answer yep yep the whole bible is just storytelling absolutely it is communities telling their own story their own history their own meaning making their own they're explaining it but there's very little prescriptive yep maybe not very little it is the majority is storytelling and then there are prescriptive moments but they are often the result of storytelling yes we'll tell the story of moses and here's what moses the rules that came down for moses yeah but it's still connected to the story yeah and those are the parts that we don't like to read <laughs> so some meaty concepts to chew on this episode performance as deep authenticity performance as the living out of group norms performance is the way to make yourself heard and to disrupt reality by speaking something new into existence what is performance to you? As we wrap up, thanks to Jimmy Hulse for our theme and to Max Brunell for additional music. 
what thoughts or feedback are bubbling up for you. Catch me around Plymouth or email me at meaning at Plymouth.org. Meaning is a ministry of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis.